With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On today's Men of the Apes, it's Monday, but we're recording on Tuesday, Tuesday. and I still have a case of the Mondays. Minute of the Apes, the daily podcast where we break down every minute of the Planet of the Ape movies one minute at a time. Are you sure? Just double check. Hey, hang on. Let me check my notes. Right. Yes, it is one minute right, at a time. Good. One minute. That's Yeah, that's the reason we're minute of the apes. Not seconds of the minutes of the hours of the apes, but minutes. I have a, a literal note in future minutes about the term second, but that is nothing to do with this. Wow, we, we have a couple weeks till we get to that. He's been watching too much Hasline. He's ready to jump mm-hmm. in the freeway that takes him on a different path somewhere. About the future, the pastor, all that kind of stuff. It, so it's Monday. We're here at Zeus. This, How long has it been since we've actually sat in Zeus and done this together? Again, it's probably been, what, like m- months? It's been a little bit. Plural? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we kind of talked. We just recorded on Sunday. We're doubling up this week, and, and I Escape has not had the fluidity of recording that we we're able to do with the other movies. Luckily, when I've been these, moving houses. Yeah, yeah. I had shoulder surgery. You know, Richard is a, a golden old god of, of working out that you know takes him down a path that neither Sean nor I can even aspire to. I don't know how that affects the podcast. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> but this is—it it used to be you couldn't go and record on Sundays because you were teaching classes. Teaching that's why. Sundays. That's, that's right. what it was. It's been a little bit more arduous of task to get through Escape, even though we like it. So. It's just we haven't been in Zeus in a while. It's good to be back here We're back, yeah. looking at the sign. Picking up our comics, all that kind of well, stuff. Well, I'm over here looking at all the comics I haven't seen on the wall for well, a while. You're not picking up you're your hearing the phone ring Tuesday. right now. Yes, the phone. Richard, your phone's ringing. I, I'm about to sneeze, so it all works together. Hang on. Well, while, St- while, Sean, Stan, while Sean gets ready to sneeze, I'll say that we're up to f- minute 56. <laughs> and Sean, once you're done sneezing, why don't you tell us what's going to happen in minute all 56? Right. There we go. We start minute 56 with the interrogator saying, repeat the first three seconds of clip two and ends with Hasline walking over to Dixon with something in his hand. Let's take a listen to minute 56 of Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Repeat first three seconds of clip two. As to humans, I've dissected. I've examined... What was the word you didn't finish? I, I, I can't remember. Play the loop. Dissect, 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 Complete the word, monkey. Dissect, I have told dissect, you. Complete the word. Dissect, 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 dissect. 
As of minute 56, we have a planet's worth of humans plus two living apes, one who is pregnant, and one dead ape. One dead ape. Dead ape. No, no we're not doing that again. We're not doing that again. No. No. We no. Not, we, we're done with that. Don't go down that rabbit hole. We may actually, that is the sound of people turning their podcast <laughs> off if they have to hear that again. Okay, so I just happened to pause it. Were the interrogators, now that I, uh, we're, we're going back and looking at, there were two interrogators, one with a mustache. Right. One with e- a, one with a mustache. And, and e- then the two. one that had the really tight double-breasted vest. It's got that, three that, people the, underneath it. He's standing on top of three people. I By pause, the way, I'm buying a, a jacket like that for you for well, Christmas. Well, I happen to pause it where that guy looked exactly like a cross between Paul Newman and James Conn. They look like they had a kid together. That's who that interrogator looks I, like. To me. I would not disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You can see, well, you've got the benefit of James Conn. You know, I, I've got my machine over here that has the recording stuff, so I can't see the James Con Paul Newman bastard child. But <laughs> I, I'm going to trust you on that. But the, you know, I mentioned last. It's week It's like that, they had that weird kind of short, curly white man hair. I can see that kind of little uh, a shine to their face with the the makeup that they used to do that right. wasn't totally normal that, without the powder and stuff like that. That yeah. James Con look of uh, Godfather when he was obviously that. the one that didn't fit into the Italian yeah, he, family. Yeah, he wasn't the one that didn't look like everybody else. Yet. Yeah. So I mentioned last week about them having a, a, a tape machine that magically could jump, repeat the, the three seconds of clip two. No, no rewind, just hit it, yeah. I, I want that machine. To this day, I want that machine. It, that just drives me nuts. And I, I swear, I think that may be the last of technical production, Todd, that we have in this <laughs> movie. I, I hope so. Now I'm you're sure done. the listeners are really hoping that's the case, too. All right, everybody mark it down for this minute, then we'll pay out the bets in so future minutes. The, the, at the end of the last minute, uh, E2, the agent in the uh, very uh, slim the tight jacket, jacket yeah. uh, had leaned in on kind of the backs of the chairs of Cornelius and Zero, who are now seated in front of the desk that Hasline is sitting behind. And... What's really interesting is when he says repeat the first three seconds of clip two, he leans in a little bit more and puts his arm very much on Zira because Zira is the one speaking. His, 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 his uh, elbow is on the back of her chair. Like that position of power. Exactly. Like, like crowding her. And he's looking down at her. And uh, Kim Hunter gives us some really, really nice kind of dark eyes back and forth as if she's not prepared for what's happen, happening or, or about to hear that clip again. Like there's just some nice kind of eye darts back and forth that like I – if if I had seen that, I would think she was guilty of something. She knows kind of almost where the trap is already laid Correct. for yeah. her. Yeah, I, I I definitely think that that she interjects those things. Um, I do, I do like the fact that no matter what, we aren't betraying the character because her sassiness does show up in this clip again. We begin to see that Zira, no matter how much you may trap her, she knows she has She's the not wit. Stupid, yeah, yeah, she has the wit to negate you. She may be called, you know. Um, Madam in previous scenes, but you know, she's no one's madam. She's, you oh, know, no. you're her bitch. Well, I'm, you're talking about the madam with the big chin and the, hey, it's, uh, that always creeped me out. Sir, sir and madam, what was the puppet? You know what I'm talking about with madam. the, big, 
Matt, but what was the uh, puppeteer's name? Somebody uh, in Madam. Somebody in Madam. Oh, uh, no, uh, crap. oh, there goes Sean on Google. Uh, so. Somebody in Madam. Madam and I don't remember. No, so, I, I just edited those clips today where they referred to her as Madam during the party scene, and it just kind of was like, Waylon Flowers Waylon Flowers, there, yes. Yeah. So, so he, he asks, you know, they play the clip as to the humans I've dissected, examined thousands of them, and uh, Agent 2 is like, what was the word that you didn't finish? Right? And she's like, apparently the, the script direction is frightened. I can't remember. And then he, of course, gives direction to play the loop again where we get to hear this terrible dissect, 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 well, dissect. Well, I, and I was waiting for the bat, the bass to drop. Dissect. Wow. 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 I'm going to put that to a, uh-huh. um, a beat. To a beat somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> to a trap house beat. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so when you had originally seen the scene, originally seen the scene, Sean, in the winter in the commission, and she had made that kind of stumble. Did you think she was in the clear? Or did you think that was going to come back? Well, I knew it was going to come back because Hasline has been angling at the everything that's coming in the future is bad. Because I had a note here, oh, they're concerned about dissection, but dissection happens after something is died. So you can't assume that they dissected somebody because they were murdered. You can dissect a frog that you find that got hit by a car you doesn't mean you i killed it it just means i cut it open what they should be worried about is vivisection is when you're cutting something open that's alive so if they would say we vivisect we uh cut open you know that would concern me more than we dissected because i can dissect a conversation i can dissect anything that doesn't mean it was alive and this is a new weekly segment called Sean's Endless Information Hole. I, know. I have not been drinking for two and a half months. Let me spill my knowledge to you. As long as I've known you, you've had those moments where it's like, let me hold you, court for a moment. Where do you keep that crap in your head? Well, I had a note here. That's where I put it. Cheater. <laughs> so Zira gives a nice little kind of um, wiggle of her nose and her snout just a little bit. And then. And the, yeah, uh-huh. she has a nice little wiggle with right. the nose. Get the face work. Who's yeah. looking over to Cornelius for a little bit of support, and Cornelius is just kind of looking down and almost kind of glancing over to her and kind of shaking his head like, oh, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. Don't look at me. I'm not sure that I can help you right now. It was real, I wanted him to come to her defense a little bit more at this right. moment, and he didn't. He just kind of let her twist for a little bit. He let her twist, or he also knew that she would be probably the more equipped to get out of the mess. Maybe maybe he, if you go back to his dogmatic ways of the first movie, maybe he thought he would actually dig down the hole of what really they did. I don't but know. But here's what I want to know, how they set up for the next sentence where they say, complete the word, monkey. And I wonder if that was supposed to be offensive to audiences watching it versus offensive to the characters watching it. So I w- Go ahead. I... I was looking at the script, and I'll be honest, it said complete the word monkey, which is why Cornelius gets angry and it says, I told you, I told you, turns to, the, to Agent 2. And and honestly, it was almost muffled for me, and I didn't pick up that he said monkey right away. I, always, I marked I'm, it off of my script, and I had to go hmm. back and go, wait, did he say that? That's why Cornelius is angry. I really honestly didn't hear it in that moment oh, really? as, as dramatically as I, I, I needed to. Yeah, I watch it with the subtitles on because every now and then they throw out names that I don't know necessarily. I know like Aldo or something like that to make sure I have it correctly spelled, documented. Right, yeah. But yeah. I I was just wondering, are they trying to be offensive to the characters or offensive to the audience watching it? Surely just to the characters. Huh? I mean, they'd already said, I mean, you know, it would, Hassline's interesting choice of, of, of words 
two minutes ago was interracial as opposed to interspecies. Species, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, if we're talking dis- dissection versus vivisection, he's already making a reference to interracial uh, earlier. So, I mean, was monkey used at the time? As a slur? I mean, we can assume it was, right? I guess so, but... That's what, that's what I don't... I, that's I get, one of the things where I would be interested to be in an audience watching this if there was a gasp or something like that. Or monkey would have been offensive. Uh, yeah. I was just trying to because think... Because that the, would be an offensive term even now, but back yeah. then... I mean, that's part of what got... Uh, what's her name in trouble? Uh, the comedian Roseanne Barr. Right. Oh, yeah. also got... I don't forget which... It may have been Howard Cosell made the famous comment during a Monday Night Football something about look at the monkey run. I know. It, and Wow. Yeah, so wow. that's what I'm yeah. saying. Is this an offense? Were people... I don't know if they would be offended. Maybe they, it, they hadn't turned that point. Almost like we didn't turn the point about sexual harassment being what it is in today's post-Me Too era. Maybe they hadn't turned the point yet. I don't know. I mean, I mean I, I'm looking at Richard and I don't say the offensive. I can remember being a kid and saying fag to somebody as right. being, right. you know, smear the queer where the ball was well, yeah, you the guy with the ball watch- instead of... I watch films with Abby and it'll be, you know, fag and homo will be in there. And she, you know, she's a gas. She's like, oh, my what God. the hell are they saying? And that? I yeah. said, OK, you can't judge them based on that was the nomenclature of that era. But we now know that you that can't is, be happy with it. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 but you also can't point a finger and say how horrible you are. They hadn't been educated yet because we had been. Edu- we all get educated. So I don't know. But, I, they, but they, I mean, the agent's intention is to provoke a response. Yes. Right. Yeah, he's we, trying we to make sure everybody... So, so and he, he knows says, that monkey is an offensive term to them yeah, because so they don't the, have tails. In this, in this scenario, he is actually trying to elicit a response, which is what, which is what gets Cornelius to jump in to this moment. Well, maybe due to that, this was 71, correct? Uh, 73? 74? Hang on. I think it's 71. Well, uh, um, we will find out. Hi, kind listener. We should have had that uh, queued up. And, you know, once you get all these movies in your head, even the dates start mashing together. But maybe Dane was a little intentional on both fronts. Maybe it is meant to provoke necessarily Cornelius within the scene, but it's also evocative of some of the news of people saying things like that. And and the man was obviously very in tune with social issues. So maybe he had it for, uh, forward of mind and thinking, if I put it 71. in. 71. If I put it in. I'm going to push a few buttons and maybe the African-American audience is going to almost draw back like, oh, God, that's me. And the other people are like, look, you know, how that that weird moment of you're looking around to see if somebody around is around you that might be offended. And at that point, then you suddenly realize you're part of the problem. Maybe he was trying to do all of that. I don't know what the the, the evocation was that. But I think that had to be something. I think they were trying to tweak the audience a little bit. Maybe. I just remember the word being a little kind of. Not as as bold as it needed to be because I scratched it out of the script and then I went back and right. why is Cornelius reacting? Oh, he actually says that he does say it in there. He calls him a monkey, yeah. yeah. But well, what's weird is he he says that he gets a response from Cornelius and then we have an odd cut back to Doctor Hasline who seems to kind of be uh, bored. I mean, that's he 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 kind of yeah. reshifts his hand off his face and kind of looks down and around. And I don't know why we did this cut back unless he's frustrated or coverage cut. Something yeah. didn't match, and they cut it. So I did that, have a note that Hasslein's having none of zero shit. It just yeah. looked like he's bored. Yeah, and it, I, looked, I, it was a boring look. It was like yeah. it was a bad cut. It wasn't like a great. I think it's one of two things: either you're you needed to go to a different take of that scene, and you needed something to cut to. You needed to refresh the audience that he was still there. But I agree, he looks very nonplussed by this. But then again, during the Senate hearings, he had that same outside of his you know man sitting back of cr- in the crotch. chair. Yeah. yeah, he was very hmm, whatever, it, right. 
he he is acting as if he already knows the outcome, even though he has no agency right. to have that outcome. And what's weird, okay, so I mentioned last week, Eric Braden, I found the comment where he said he was not really a fan of the character. He found it to be a caricature. These can be the moments that if your director opens the door and says, hey, there's nothing for you to do here. What if you make notes? What if you do something, you fold something and hand something to someone? And suddenly he's more of an instigator. Mm-hmm. And he, you could even see him writing something, hand it to the agent. Disagreeing it, with somebody when they say something. Or it could have been then the agent tastes it and goes, monkey. You know, because he knows, push the button. Then he's not so passive. He has something, you know. It, it makes me think that that is just cover shots. That's all. Well, we're about to get him to the like two seconds later. He's about to say call for Doctor Dixon. So maybe it's just kind of a reminder that he's in the room. Calling Doctor Dixon. <laughs> it's just Calling a reminder Dr. that he's Stevie in the room. Dixon. Wait, uh, so Dixon. Uh, we get the terrible dissect, 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 mm. and Zira says, "It sounds as if I had the hiccups." Yeah, and uh-huh. she kind of gives a little chuckle. She looks over to Cornelius, who gives a little bit of a smile to her, right. as if they know they're cracking a bad joke, but they know it's not going to go anywhere. And then she kind of looks up. Uh, under her brow and glances over at the agent that's on the tape. Now, the script uh, direction for this, which didn't really actually happen, uh, originally had with a snort of contempt, Agent 2, which is the one that's standing over him, flicks off the intercom and wall speaker to look inquiringly at Agent 1, who in his turn looks inquiringly at Hasline. And that was supposed to be the note to get Hasline to, say, call for Dr. Dixon. Okay. But we're not using an intercom or a wall space. Um Zero's response itself was enough to kind of rattle Hasline to move on, and he didn't really need anything uh, uh, negative from the agents to interact for him to inter- intervene. You know, the more and more I think about this, he could be that evil Wizard of Oz where he's not doing anything. If he just sit, if he were to sit there with his arms crossed, he could even nod at somebody, and it's almost like they had pre conversations. Yeah, and then we get the whole thing of we have... I'm still got my arms crossed like I'm <laughs> Hasline. Cro- I mean, wait, no, the Wizard of Oz never crosses arms like that. Was all I'm adding plus. something together, Sean. But then we get the whole, again, where they the, the director of this movie got very lazy and has to show everybody doing the exact action that they're doing. A car has to drive all the way from coming into scene through a gate, whatever. So we have to see Dixon coming from the door all the way right. in to walk in instead of... You just hear paging Dr. Dixon, and you see a profile of him, and then he gets up, and you get a cut to him walking through a door instead of wasting 10 seconds of paging Dr. Dixon, paging Dr. Peary so, Dixon, so, and so, then he yeah. comes over. Yeah. So, so yeah, so uh, Agent 1, who's the one with the mustache, E1, uh, is the one sitting by the tape machine, and he flicks over. He's got one of those awesome, like, you know— uh, Real to real, whatever. Yeah, four, there's this like little small little box with four buttons on it that are lit oh, up. Oh yeah, one clicks the... a button and goes, you know, call uh, Doctor Dixon, please. Doctor Hasline calling Doctor Dixon. And you're right, we do. I mean, the the audience that just heard the audio didn't get to see Doctor Hasline down the hallway. Uh huh. Walk the entire in way. While he's still oh, being called come to come on. in. So and I want to be fair to uh, Don Taylor, our director. I. I think that his laziness, as you put it, and I'm not trying to tack well, your I saying lazy. I think, just... I think that's more the studio probably just simply saying we need this to be so buttoned up because of how inconsistent the previous film was. We want everything where it is. And I, it, it seems like studio interference where it is so purposefully obvious. I, I, would, I would have imagined Dr. Dixon already being – Dr. Dixon and Dr. Brandon being outside the room. Yeah, waiting, waiting to come in. Yeah. So we see him uh, – 
So we have the interrogation room. Hell, there should be a, a mirror that have, they're watching. We through. have interrogation yeah. room. We have yes. an office next to it. In that office is a secretary of some kind and a military police officer. And then there is a doorway from that room that goes out to a long hallway. And that is where Docs and Dick, Dr. Dixon is coming from down the hallway, walking towards the camera, where he then walks in the office and then proceeds into the interrogation room. It would just have, we didn't, I, we didn't need that. We really needed Branson and Dixon in the same room as if they're waiting for the results of something. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that even, you know, of where you eventually in, in these moments get to Dixon being a participant within what's happening. You could have just almost entirely hard cut to what his action becomes. And that's, you know, you can do those hard cuts of what he's going to do. And that's harsh. You know, you see that needle that we're eventually going to see in this. I, I thought you, that's where it's sloppy directing editing because. You're fine, there's you're fine no, with the walk. There's no terror. No, I'm, saying about you, the, I'm saying you cut the walk oh, okay. out. Yeah, it yeah, should have been. It should have been. He, you know, Haslan even just looks maniacally. Bring in Doctor Dixon. Done. And the next thing we see is that, and a pull back to that he's there doing it. Now it may be different from the norms of today. But well, hell, I mean, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but when you're going, no, but you call, did. Call, well, I did mean to interrupt. I didn't anticipate to interrupt. That's what I meant. I'm teasing. Um, when you're saying Dr. Dix can come in here, that's when you get the, uh, no, I will not drug these uh, these future apes that And we'll are get to that point, yeah. but yeah, I definitely think that's true, too. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it would be more, uh, be awesome if Dr. Branton was also outside with him so that they seem to have some tension before he walks into the room. He walks down the hallway into the office with purpose. And I also thought there was this, uh, and maybe this is the point. So- uh, the agent is calling for Dr. Hassling, Dr. Dixon across the facility. And maybe that's to, to show their importance, but just using an intercom to reach the secretary to come in would, to me, would have been just as impactful so long as we had Dr. Branton there to kind of talk about this, this look of, of nervousness or anticipation or, or about what's going on. Right. And plus they're advocates for these two individuals. So I, I would have expected them to be closer by anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's oddly construed. It's, I mean, to to your point, the shot. I mean, the the film is so obvious in almost everything it does, as far as the action of getting people to and from, that is painful. But at the same time, again, I that just feels so intentional that they made them do that. You know, and it's it's interesting to kind of watch these small minutes. So we're looking down the down a long hallway with the doorway on the left. Uh, of where the office is. Mm -hmm. And as Dr. Dixon rounds the corner, right, as if he's given his cue to walk, mm -hmm. almost just a half a second later, we then get the staged action of one person walking out from one side to go back behind him and one person coming from the right to walk down past him. It looked, you know, when you pause it and you kind of look at these moments, Make it's it almost a busy like hallway. The, the signal was like, okay, here we are. They weren't already in the hallway. Right. He comes, and as soon as he rounds that corner, you see two more people just kind of move as if they're moving with purpose. Um, I Now I'm being obsessed with this whole idea of what was done. So, oh, hi, Nala. Hang on, honey. Don't don't trip on my wire. Oh, oh the, the, the staging Maybe, office oh. has that same terrible lamp. Hang on. I don't want Nala. Oh, to I see. There She's go. good. There you go, baby. Short babies moving around. Yeah. Forward. So, trying to figure out, you know, the the hows and whys of you do you doing this? So they shot over six weeks, meaning that they would take Sundays off most no, likely. No, so the entire shooting for the movie was six weeks. Six weeks. 
being that if six weeks, that's 42 days minus one wow. each. So that's 36 shooting days. They had, and I figured up here, they had to put in the can almost three minutes of printed footage a day. a day. When you consider that the movie is like 104 minutes, 98, like, minutes, 98 minutes, 97 minutes, or something like that. Yeah, 97 and 34, uh-huh. three seconds. To shoot that much a day is keeping a lot on camera versus just, absolutely yeah. and and that's also why most of these scenes play out in one take while they and have a wonder, yeah. yeah that have lighting that is so harsh because and it goes for so long yeah they're, they're kicking that stuff up and so using that's, every second of film and i think that's exactly why they were almost probably intentional to get coverage of everything and said i need a shot it's going to be long i need him doing this but at least the, the thing about at least when we see a car drive up like I said, the screen direction that was it was really well done. The screen direction of Dixon walking, I do believe they all went to sleep. They all went uh-huh. to lunch it and they just, said it's just, on. Could right. you walk for me? I do about five six takes of this for me. Thank Lock you. it off. Yeah. Start running when the film's done. We're Average done magazine's about eleven twelve minutes in. We, a, we get in that. ABL. We're done. Print it all go. up. We're done. Yeah. Check the gate though. Check the gate. Richard's looking at us like we're just talking garbage. But yes, yeah, we know what we're saying. <laughs> kind of. So he walks into the room, he walks past the secretary who's on, you know, an old typewriter, opening mm-hmm. up a file and typing on the old writer, well, past the military office. Pat, back then they were called new typewriters, yeah, not old typewriters. <laughs> electric typewriter. <laughs> I'm not even sure that one looked electric. So he, he opens the door and still seated are Zira and Cornelius. And Cornelius turns to look at him and Zira looks, she gives him, and it's a very brief second, she gives him a look of hope, like she's excited to see him, like, okay, this is, this is where it gets better for me. Um, but we don't He's really hoping. see, we, we see Dixon open the door. Right. We don't really see him move much in the room as much as we get a pan from zero to Cornelius over to, uh, Hasline, who has his back as the door is being opened. There was something just kind of unusual about the fact that his back was open. As the door opens, he turns to look at Dixon. I mean, there was a conscious choice mm-hmm. to have him not facing Dixon when he walks in. Um, what I found interesting is just they've got stack of uh, folder uh, file folders, mm-hmm. uh, not binders, on the desk, and clearly we only have half the alphabet because the the, the back desk behind Hasline has H and I's. Hmm. Like I don't know where the rest of the alphabet is, but they seem to be kind of secretly staged around the set. Really? Yeah. Various letters. Sorry, I don't know why that's relevant. I was trying to figure out the H I J H I what. Um, I was too, seeing if it fit what, anywhere. A, a orangutan primitive kind of would have fit in there. Orangutan. Tan. Anything. Monkey, ape, uh, By the gorilla. way, this is the, none of the only one of these films that no orangutans are yeah. in. But yeah, I can't figure out what would fit in that nomenclature. Anyways. So he shuts the door. Once Hasline kind of turns his back, turns to towards him, he doesn't t- turn fully towards him. We then cut back to uh, Dr. Dixon, who now has kind of a very serious look on his face. He looks down at Cornelius and Zira, and then he looks up at Hasline, who now has something in his hand and is walking towards Dr. Dixon. Um, By the way, Richard is not being very, very um, smart with this. He's actually watching it. So that's cheating. No, he's got like amazing I thought he was repeating from his amazing memory. And then I look over here and he's just watching it. Oh, come on. I think it's it's relevant for the audience listening listening for the minute. It's probably not watching the minute along with us. Well, no. They hear the audio. They've heard the audio. audio. I think it's good for them to know kind of where everybody is in the scene. It'd be one thing if it's Star Wars where you've got a 
Okay, there's not not saying there's not a dedicated Planet of the Apes audience, but let's admit there's a Star Wars audience that can sit there and just like Shakespeare repeat it back and forth what they're talking about. I know. Hey, high five yep. to me <laughs> too. Boo. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I there is a dedicated oh, audience to Planet of the Apes, but I can't see somebody. Just sitting there repeating what's going on with these movies. Two points to this, and I'm going to say this, and we're at the end. We'll probably want to wrap it up. But that makes me think of, and I probably mentioned it before, but did you – I don't care for sitcoms, but Shelly and Abby used to watch How I Met Your Mother, and I'd usually sit with them. And there's one episode where Ted, the main guy, is bringing a girl over. She's never seen Star Wars. I'm going to make her watch Star Wars. They get to a point. They're watching it, and he's upset. I can't recall if it's that she's not watching, and then it – I'm listening, and it's got the music cue in it, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, the next thing goes, she fell asleep at the part which they take Chewbacca in, blah, blah. And I said, that wasn't the music cue that was playing. <laughs> and Shelly's like, nerd. You're, nerd. you're an absolute <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm sorry, it's not. But wouldn't I, you have done your research, though, as research, yes, though, if you're yeah. going to reference that? Yes, yeah. I would. And that did bother me. If you're going <laughs> to, if you're going to get the rights to use the, the, the music, music and everything, then, then just go ahead and get the rights to use the film. It's the same company. So I want to say something that I never thought of before, but it's kind of interesting is that um, what you did with the folders there and what you're noticing, you're bringing an eyeball to things. Here, Sean and I are talking. I'm over here trying to find out what shooting schedules are, these kind of things and all this. It's just really cool that you're noticing the minutia of the set dressings and things like that. So as much as I sat there and I thought, where's he going with this? Kudos to you for noticing that because I didn't see it. When we did that, when we were doing the variants, it was super important to make sure continuity was on right. point. Oh, yeah. If, if, yeah. if somebody's, you know, uh, shoulder strap on their purse was down, it needed right. to be up. If their hands were in their pocket, they had to stay in the pocket. If they're eating in one shot, they need to eat in the other. And I, I would literally walk around the set and make sure everything was where it should be. If we're shooting at a particular angle at the store, I want to make sure the product at that angle looks really, really good. Right. I want to make sure that it looks like dressed and everything's fine. I don't have holes on shelves or right. things like that. And then if we're shooting more stuff, I would try and keep things in the same kind of continuity. So having having at least done three seasons of a web series, I right. kind of pay attention to those kind of small things. To web make sure they series? Work well. I remember when you used to do the CW wrap-ups so that you made sure behind you was yeah. all DC comics, specifically Flash, Supergirl, you know, Black Lightning, whatever you were covering for that week, you made sure behind you was supporting that. Yeah, so we so we would do when you did the CW recaps that we'd stand in front of the comic book wall or the sorry the graphic novel wall. No, but in order to make it well, look yeah, interesting, I would take novel. comic books and put them in front of them because graphic novels are notoriously a little more shiny mm-hmm. than comics. Bigger, and so I wanted to kind of get something that wasn't quite as reflective. So I'd use uh, comics, but I made sure that if I'm doing. Arrow and Supergirl and those Flash. Titles are around. They were those behind titles him. Are, That's smart. Uh, Jughead, uh, Archie. That's uh, just Riverdale. good production design. That's behind me. But the, even further is I would go and I would like, okay, I want to make the more interesting ones in this area. Nice. I wouldn't repeat some of the same ones in the same area. I'd move them further out. Uh, and I'd kind of start paying attention to what's relevant and what's not relevant to what's be behind me. What's the new ones, yeah. whatever, yeah. Exactly. I just want to say that if you ever do another web series, I'm going to offer myself in a casting role. Are you ready? I want to be like Brad Pitt is in the Ocean's Eleven films where he's always eating. But every time it cuts to me, I want a different thing in my hand. So my my uh, I'm inconsistent, you know. Okay. It's, and it's different amounts of ice cream thing. That's got to be my shtick. I, I, I want it just almost to beat you down. Well, we, well I, I I I totally came up with this idea that I haven't written that I'm never going to produce. But it was the <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Doctor I, well, I come up with all Doctor? these ideas that I never actually do anything with just because I have a job. Right. You have to do because you have to, do, like you have to work and live. Yeah. For like another ten hours. 
but I found energy when I'm in my early 40s to do the web series. I don't care anymore. Um, but you can do that because my next idea is doing a 20-minute kind of infomercial like they do with uh, celebrity facial creams or things like that. Mm-hmm. Or cooking products, because I was watching this cooking show, and they had like, it's basically just a crock pot, but they're showing you all the things that you could make in the crock pot, even like ice cream and uh, cookies and all these really weird things. And it was like, they had a device that's a warmer, basically right. just a warmer up to a certain temperature, and like, okay, what shit can we make out of this? So... We were also talking about climate change at that particular moment. So I thought what we need to do is an infomercial basically about a car that basically cooks everything you need because of climate change. So using the hood to make like pancakes, using the hood to make uh, uh, omelets, using the hood to make you know uh, a steak, things like right. that. So the idea is that somebody is just selling you the hood of a car. I like I, it. I, and meanwhile, I'm looking over here and seeing the DC version of it. I'm trying to sell my killer crock pot. You put all the rotten meat in here and you cook it. And then guess what happens? Batman shows up and kicks your ass before you can eat it. <laughs> Damn it. I got a rock. All right. So that's it for minute 56 of Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Just kidding. I was hoping Sean would fight back. You just kind of quit. I got I a rock. I pushed a little bit. <laughs> But see, the idea is that you know how that they, they have the audience that's always there, the yeah. stages for these shows, yeah. whether it's cooking hey, or whatever. Yeah, we're exactly. going to watch you clapping. cooking. Yeah, and you could be on the front row just excitingly eating I ice cream. It. And you could be eating whatever we just made. It just changes. All of a sudden, you're like, I'm excited. I'm eating I love this it. thing. We're trying to figure out how to do ice cream on the hood of a car in climate change, but we'll figure out something. Technically, you can do ice cream on the hood of a car. It just won't be frozen ice cream. I mean, if Ooh, we bring, I could if we suck up. It, see, that could be my shtick, too, is I'll just suck up anything. Just <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what she said. By the yeah. way, thank you, Todd. Yeah, whatever. That actually, if Abby that heard be that, my new ringtone. Like, hey, anyway, that's minute fifty-six. We'll be back tomorrow with another minute of Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Everybody, have a great day. Bye. Bye, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky. In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.